You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced, long-distance backpacker, blissful hiker, sharing stories to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider supporting them through Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. This week, the son of a friend of an acquaintance helps me get grounded and on my way, putting the bedbug nightmare in the rearview mirror. What a wild few days I've had in Flagstaff, schlepping my gear to the logger mat and Snow Mountain River, and then leaving it tied up in a garbage bag in the hot sun in hopes every last living organism is wiped out. I'm up early packing that gear and leaving a small pile of goodies for the maids, including the special soap for the sleeping bag, which only comes in an extra-large bottle. I feel good. The swelling's down now, and everything is as clean as I can get it. A little residual bitterness lingers, but it's funny how many people reached out not so much with concrete help, but with calming words. Like this one, your now is not forever. Helpful wise words, even if what I really needed was help washing my gear. Still, lovely Sam comes to my rescue and swings by at 7.30 in the morning to take me up to Babbitt Lake, off of West Fort Valley Ranch Road, AZ-180. His mom is a friend of a friend and a big walking advocate. She apparently sent the Facebook post of my face all swollen from bites asking for help to her son, and he and his girlfriend, also named Sam, said, We gotta help her. It's funny, all I really needed at that point was someone with a cool head to help me figure out how to get back on trail. If I hike huge days, I could walk from Flagstaff, but I'm exhausted from this ordeal, as well as the super strong antihistamine. So last night at Mother Road Brewing, the three of us looked at a map and found where the trail swings close to the highway, about 40 miles north of here. Sam actually knows the spot and expertly passes logging trucks and shuttles me up there. We also pass an area near the Arizona Snow Bowl, still filled with snow, and he says this is popular for cross-country skiing. I wonder what that might be like for walkers right now. It's a few more miles down a forest road, and I see the lake, smack dab in the middle of nowhere. Most of this country is dotted with cinder cone volcanoes, I step out onto pumice, and Sam snaps my picture before heading back into his own life, a bona fide trail angel. It's windy and dry here, not a trace of snow or mud. I'm on ranch land, cedar, tub, and babbit ranches. No cattle are grazing just yet, maybe it's too cold. Sam warns me snakes are out, and I keep my eyes on the trail. Ahead is giant, rounded Chapel Mountain, and behind me are the San Francisco peaks with pointy Mount Humphreys, my fairy tale mountain, still snow-capped. It's funny that further away they appear larger, growing straight up from this expanse. It may be flat, but I'm high, around 6,500 feet, and it's so open and wild here, it's like Mongolia. Two birds flutter in the wind, spinning around each other in front of me. The barbed wire fence hums. I take a wrong turn onto a different dirt road, but it doesn't seem to matter too much, delivering me to a single-track path that makes many twists and turns for reasons I can't surmise. 
Juniper trees are gnarled by wind and snow. Even the dead trunks look like dancers in a dramatic pose. I'm absolutely alone, and I love it. Only footprints speak to all the other hikers ahead, ones I hope make the path clear. I get a bloody nose and fill up the bandana with red mucus, the one I tied on the outside of my pack just for this purpose. The dryness and the altitude make my nostrils crack. There's little variation in the trail, but on the single track I move up and down some. The forest thickens as the day goes on, but my snowy mountains are still in sight. There's a certain intimacy to today's walk. The earth and my feet feel as one. Is it getting back on trail after an ordeal? Or is it the fact that now I can go a little easier if I like that makes me feel so connected? It's still unvaried with very few flowers or cactus. A lizard scurries to the side, then bends his head back in an S-shape to see me. One juniper appears to have fallen across the trail, but goes on living in this supine position. I cross forest roads in all types of tread, some with deep ruts and dry mud, others barely showing two tracks. At one, a sign points to a wildlife waterer. The water sources are few and far between, so I walk the half-mile to a large, gated area. Corrugated metal covers what must be the collection site, and I enter a gate to a small concrete collection area. A sign reminds sportsmen that this is here for their game and their expense, so don't vandalize it. I set up on the concrete to collect. There's algae growing, but the water looks clear. Still, everything needs to be filtered, and I hang my gravity feed. Lunch is tuna, cheese, a bar, and an entire liter of water. I enjoy this quiet, sunny spot for a good while, the wind whistling through dry grass. I make calculations for where the next water is and where I'll dry camp, but I do so from this off-trail spot, and that is a mistake. The mileage is much closer from here as the crow flies, but the trail in actuality winds and turns and zigzags. Perhaps it's to prevent erosion, but it does make for a long path, and my next water is quite far. I'm surprised that I managed to walk so far without intending to. No wonder this is where people begin crushing big miles. We're trail fit, and the end is in sight. But for me, I want to slow down. The snowy peaks have followed me all day, but now they disappear as I enter a juniper forest. I'm ready to look for a campsite, even if it's early. I walk up and down small rises, the surrounding floor either rocky or one giant anthill. I think I find a spot, but there's nowhere to sit, or it's too slanty, too cramped, too many small stones. So on and on I go, kicking around dried mud but never quite satisfied until just ahead, I see two stone benches. They're by a fire ring, and it's a perfect flat spot between trees. Sometimes you just have to follow your intuition. I set quickly, making small prayers to all the gods and all the goddesses that my gear is bug-free. Dinner has been cold-soaking since the waterer, and it tastes so good for my stone chair. 
Just as I think my day will finish all alone, Joey walks by. He tells me the section near the mountain was absolutely dreadful. The snow is still so deep that by mid-morning, it's a post-holing nightmare. I suddenly feel incredibly lucky to have chosen to skip forward and miss that section. Utter frustration is not what I need just now. Joey pushes on, but I'll probably see him somewhere along the line. The wind has died, and the moon is a waxing crescent. It's creating branch shadows on my tent. It was an easy day on dry trail, and I feel so good to be back, my body moving well, and not one moment of itchy bed bug bites. Please, all omniscient beings and those who look after us on Earth, let's just keep it that way. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple, leave a review that helps the show get discovered. Blissful Hikers on Patreon, as I mentioned, you can support the show financially as a patron. Help me get on trail to collect sounds and create these stories. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. That's also where you can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, it's a roller coaster of ups and downs through Ponderosa and dust, all the way to my very first glimpses of the deep red rock of the Grand Canyon. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.